you have your Bibles this evening and you would find Matthew, the 23rd chapter, as we are making our way through this book, and we have been looking over the last few times together about do you have a heart problem? Tonight I want to continue on with this theme because tonight we come to one of the most heartbreaking chapters in the Word of God. We see that Jesus begins uh, to really call out the false teachers and to call out the religious hypocrites of his day. And the reason that it is, is sad is because of the judgment that God declares on them. Uh, the Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so as God's people, when we read through the scriptures and we see that God is pronouncing judgment on a people, sometimes it's easy to think, that's what I'm talking about. It's about time. But friends, we should recognize the people that we disagree with the most, the people that hate God and everything that has to do with Him in our society and in our culture, it should break our hearts. And it should break our hearts because one of these days, when they take their last breath, they will stand before a holy and perfect God and hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And if God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, and his judgments are right and perfect and true, neither should we. And so tonight as we look at this text and Jesus begins to really uh, address the issue at hand, I want to be very careful tonight because what you usually hear is that the problem in church is that it's full of hypocrites. It's full of those people who act one way and talk another. But tonight I want to be very clear. When Jesus is talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, he is not just talking about people who say one thing and live another. He is talking about people who say one thing, live a different, and then try to implement what they believe on other people. You see, friends, it's not wrong to have a belief system and to live it out. You ought to do that. You ought to know what you believe and in whom you believe and let that shape everything about you. The problem is when we as God's people say that we are pro-life, but then do not do things that reflect being pro-life. It's kind of like when we say we are pro-biblical marriage, but yet we do not live our biblical marriages out. It's kind of like when we believe in helping the poor and claiming to help the poor, but not helping the poor. It's not saying you're a Christian and you get cut off in traffic and say a word that you shouldn't say and then immediately repent. That's not being a hypocrite. That is being a fallen, sinful man. That's not having something happen and you lose your temper and then realizing I should not have done that. It's not a being put in a difficult situation where you have an inappropriate thought or an inappropriate thing is, is, comes out of your mouth. That's not the same thing as what we're looking at tonight. And so tonight as we talk about hypocrisy, be very careful that you recognize that it is a religious group of people who will not live the rules and rituals that they are trying to force on someone else. You say, Jake, how do we live that in a culture that hates God? Very simply. We practice what we preach. We live out our faith. Whether it is in politics, you have seen politicians like Newt Gingrich, who I think the world of, 
talk about family values and contract with America and all of these things. But if you were to look at his private life, it has nothing to do and match up with his public life. And on the very other same side of the political aisle, you have the same thing over and over again. When someone says, I am a devout Catholic and the Catholic Church teaches in the sanctity of human life, but yet your private life and public life don't line up. You see, the greatest danger that we face is not believing God's Word. That is the foundation that we build everything on. The danger that we face is proclaiming the Word of God, telling others that we believe the Word of God, but then we refuse to live the lifestyle according to the Word of God. And so tonight, if you would pray with me, I want to just jump right in as how we can evaluate if we're like the people that Jesus is correcting or if we are pleasing the Savior that we love. Father, tonight I come to you, Lord, a sinful man. Lord, you know my struggles, my sins, my failures, that God, that they are many. Tonight I ask that you would forgive me, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, that you would, that you would speak to this group of people. God, that you would continue to make us faithful in every way. In our love and dedication to you. God, we pray that you would bless us and that you would work and that you would move for your glory. God, we pray that you would correct us, encourage us, whatever is necessary tonight. And Father, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So tonight, if you and I want to make sure that our heart is in the right place, the first thing we need to do is we must evaluate what we believe and how we live. What we believe and how we live. Uh, today I was listening to a choir in my office, a, a large choir. It's a, one of the largest choirs in the world. They sing some of the most beautiful old hymns, and, uh, and they were singing. And, and as I was watching it on YouTube, uh, uh, the kind of, uh, of uh, Christian organization it is, or uh, what they call themselves is a Christian organization, uh, on the side had not the music that I was listening to, but many of their teachers, their elders. And uh, I was sitting there thinking about, man, I love this music, but I would never click on this over here because they do not believe the Word of God. But boy, I love to listen to them sing, but I definitely don't want to hear what they believe. And so many times that's very easy for us. We know the big things that are wrong. Many times, though, we struggle with our belief. We know what the Bible says, but yet we have friends and family that live differently, or we've experienced things that have shaped our belief system. But listen to what Jesus tells them here in verses 1 through 3. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. You see, if you remember, Jesus has been speaking back and forth to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But something happens right here. Jesus says, I've talked to you enough, and now I'm going to talk to everybody else about you. And so if you're a Pharisee and a Sadducee, this would be a terrible moment. This would be a moment that you and I were having a conversation that we're trying to back and forth and Jesus has finally got to the point where you're not listening, you're not willing to, to acknowledge it, and so I'm going to tell everybody else right here what your problem is and what's wrong with the way you're living. 
And he begins to tell them that these individuals believe many of the right things. If you were to read the Pharisees' teachings, many of them were true. Many of them were according to the Scriptures. But many of them had been added on to. But what he says here is to listen and observe, but do not do what they do. And tonight I want to challenge you with that. Because tonight, do you really believe what God's Word says? Or do you believe what someone has told you about God's Word? Do you know the Scriptures or do you know what someone has said about the Scriptures? I believe our church and many churches struggle with this very simple thing. We love Bible studies about the Bible, but if you were to tell us we want you to study the Bible, we're like, whoa, I don't think I can do that. I need to know what this person says about the Bible or that person says about the Bible. And I want to hear what this teacher has to say about the Bible, but what God promised was to bless the reading and studying of his Word. You say, Jake, I'm not very smart. I'm not very educated. I read the Bible, but I don't understand it. There are only two things you need. A lexicon and one commentary. A lexicon will tell you what that word means and where it is used out in the Scriptures. And you can know that it uses this word and this word and this word. And you can study and learn God's Word for yourself. But I really do believe that most problems that we have in what we believe is just because we do not study ourselves. We are trusting the words of someone else. But do you see that Jesus tells them it's not just what they believe. It's the standards that they try to impose. You see, they were willing to teach you that you should be humble, but they were not humble. They were willing to teach you that you should love your enemies, that you should care for the poor. But yet they would not care for the poor. And so tonight I want to show you a verse that is very important. And I almost referenced it this morning. Proverbs 30 starting in verse 5. Every word of God is pure. Or that word can mean true. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words. Lest he rebuke you. And you be found a liar. You see the Bible is is teaching us through the Old Testament that God's Word is perfect. It is true in every area. There is nothing that God's Word says that is false, that is uh, incorrect, that is misspoken. And he says he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. So no matter what fiery darts that Satan throws at you, no matter what kind of a mess that you find yourself in, God will be a shield to those. But he goes on and says in this proverb, don't add to it. God's word is perfect without your thoughts, without your feelings. But look what he goes on to say, lest he rebuke you. He is saying that that might work for a while. That might work for a season. But eventually the scriptures will point you out. They will show you what is wrong. That is why we believe that we do not Fight darkness with darkness, but yet light. We preach the truth. That's why we stand on God's word. We don't chase down every rumor. We don't chase down every uh, false accusation. We just keep preaching the word of God. I recently had someone tell me, Jake, I've listened to a lot of your sermons. And I just think that the Jesus that you represent and the Jesus that I want to represent are two different people. That's a scary thought. I mean, that's a very scary thought. And so I got alone in my prayer time and, and the study of the Scripture and, and, and said, God, if, I am, if I'm preaching a different Jesus, uh, show me. 
If I'm preaching something contrary to your word, show me. Because one of these days, I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account to the hours and hours and hours of sermons that I have preached to you. And as I was studying and I was praying and I was thinking, I was thinking, and I was listening to some of the sermons, I was like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Man, I butchered that word up really bad. Man, I pronounced all of those names differently each time I quoted them during the sermon. But I really kept going back to this idea, what are you preaching? The Word of God, verse by verse, word by word. That's why when you go to many of our classes, they're teaching verse by verse, word by word. Our Sunday school literature is, is, is very Scripture-based. Why? Because God will not allow a church to succeed. God will not allow a teacher to succeed that is adding things to God's Word. And so tonight, I really want you to know what you believe and why. But also, I want you to hear that when you accept truth, it reflects that you really belong to God. I've had this conversation three times in the last three weeks about someone saying, I know what the Bible says, but I just disagree. I know what the Bible says, but I just can't accept that. Listen to what Jesus told um, uh, as he is standing before Pontius Pilate getting ready to go to the cross, listen to this interaction that Jesus has. Starting in verse 36, it says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Now don't miss this. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to him, I find no fault in him at all. Do not miss verse 37. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. You do not get to say, God, I want you, but I'm not going to hear from you. God, I want you, but I'm not going to submit to you. God, I want you to save me. I want you to redeem me. I want you to heal me. I want you to change me. God, I want everything that you have to offer. And then when God presents truth, you say, no, I don't think I want that part. You cannot have that kind of faith. That is not real faith. And so tonight I really want to encourage you to know what you believe and why you believe it and to stand upon it regardless of the cost. This week there was a new study that came out about the amount of people in America who believe the Bible to be literally true. That's what people like me and hopefully people like you believe that when God said he hung the stars, he hung the stars. When God said he created everything, he created everything. When he talked about fire coming down from heaven for Elijah, it's what happened. When the Bible is literally true, 20%, 20%, the lowest in history that they have done this study is the belief that the word of God is true. You say, Jake, what does that matter? Friends, if we do not have the same foundation, we cannot be on the same page. 
I cannot agree with someone. I cannot worship with someone. I cannot serve with someone who does not believe the basic simple premise that God's word is true. You see, it is a unapologetic. We cannot compromise that God's word is true. Because everything I try to believe is based on the one truth that God said it. And if God said it, I believe it. And if God said it and I believe it, then I'm going to try to live it to the best of my ability. But if you and I have a disagreement over anything, and we do not have the same starting point, we will never be able to work together. Second thing I want to show you tonight, if you want to evaluate whether or not you have a heart problem, is we must evaluate why we do what we do. Why do we do what we do? Look here in verses 4 through 7. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their... Here's one of those other words. Philisateries, broad, and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feast, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace... And to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Jesus is literally with them standing here, telling the multitude of people, you know what their problem is? They do everything they do so that you can see them. Everything they do is so they can brag and boast and set themselves to a place of authority. Now, I don't know about you. I've been called out for some dumb things that I've done in my life. Pretty embarrassing from time to time. It's amazing how your kids and people never forget your mistakes. But I don't know if I have ever been called out in that setting. Sitting there with multitudes of people and Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is saying, you know what your problem is? I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to tell everyone sitting here. Now, I don't know about you, but I am glad that God does not broadcast all my sin and all my struggles and all my failures and all my fears to you. I do a pretty good job of that myself, but I cannot imagine what is going through their mind. And tonight I want to ask you one simple question. Why do you do what you do? Why are you in church tonight? Why do you raise your children in nurture and admonition of the Lord? Why are you faithful or not faithful? You see, these men had an outward love of God, but didn't love Him at all. They cared about what people thought of them and what people said of them. I um, was sitting next to a pastor a couple weeks ago as he was getting ready to do a funeral. And uh, they always ask you as a pastor, what do you want to be called? And I figured my mom called me Jacob. That's just fine. Jacob is fine. And they're always like, you want to be called brother, reverend, pastor, bishop. Just Jacob is fine. That's fine. But they had put in the paper reverend in front of his name. And as we were sitting there talking, nothing of it, the funeral home came up and he asked this question. He said, if you don't care when you put my name in the paper, would you not put reverend? And I thought, that's kind of dumb. Why are you making a big deal of it, right? He said, I just feel that reverend is a title of reverence and respect and should be used for God, not man. He said, you can call me pastor, bishop, brother, whatever you want, but please don't call me reverend. As I sat there for a while, like I should have for longer, and I thought, that's the first time I've ever heard that. 
He's like, well, it's just a personal preference. It's something that's very important to me, and, and it tries to keep me humble. And I sat there for a minute and thought, that's a pretty good thing. I like that. And he's like, well, I don't really care if you like it or not, but thank you. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, be that way then. But it was just this idea. And friends, there will be people that will serve in this church and every other church that love the recognition. They'll only serve when people are watching. They'll only be here when it's about them. You say, Jake, that's pretty uh, bold coming from you when it's always your sermon that's being preached. It's always your lesson that's being taught. And friends, it's something I have to ask God every single day. Lord, do not let me make it about me. Don't, Lord, don't let me be focused on my glory and not yours. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This word for all, is, it means all of something or every part of something. It's a wonderful word. I love to quote it when it talks about do all things without disputing and complaining. I love to quote it when the Bible talks about he is the Savior, not only, for, uh, not only the propitiation for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. That he died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. But when it talks about this, it's something that it should cause us to pay great attention to. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. If you are not being led by the Spirit, there is nothing that you will do that you will not justify as being right. Now don't miss that tonight. If you are not being led by the Spirit, there is nothing that you will do that you will not justify as being okay. You say, well, not me, Jake. I know that some things are wrong and some things are right no matter what. The Bible says all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. All means all. You say, well, Jake, I would never do certain things to certain people, or I would never hurt people this way, or I would never do this, or I could never do something like that under the right circumstances. And without the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you absolutely could. That's what God says here. But look what it goes on and says, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. The greatest need you and I have as believers of Jesus Christ is to get along with God just like we had this morning during our time of observing the Lord's Supper. It says, Lord, here I am. Search me. God, here I am. Evaluate me. God, here I am. Show me the things in my life that should not be there. Because, friends, if you do not submit to the Spirit of God, you will find yourself saying things like this. Well, you know what? It was bad, but it wasn't that bad. It'll, you'll find yourself thing, saying things like this. I know it was sin, but everybody has their struggles. Well, I know that's probably not the best way to do it, but it's the way I wanted to do it. Now, if you're like me, you have probably said all of those at some point recently. But it is because the Spirit of God is not leading my life, my decisions. It's what I want. It's the flesh. 1 Corinthians 4 says it like this, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one prays, will come from God. 
You see, tonight you might think that the person you're sitting next to loves God and is serving God. But you have no idea what's in their heart. Tonight you have no idea what's in my heart. And what Paul says is don't judge anything before the time. Because you don't have the whole picture. You don't know everything that's going on. But one of these days, friends, the Lord is going to come. And He is going to judge. And He is going to light up every hidden area. He's going to reveal every whispered conversation. He is going to point out every wicked thing done in the secret. And this word here reveals the counsels of the heart. It reveals the motives of why you've done what you have done. I don't know if you know that or not. But that verse right there would be enough to make me want to get saved if I was lost. Because I just begin to think about some of the things in my life that I've said, that I've done, that I've thought. And I think, whew, I don't even want me to think about them, let alone everyone else to know them. And so I'm thankful that when Jesus forgave me of my sins, he washed them all away. He washed those thoughts away, those hearts away. When he threw them into the lake of forgetfulness, when he threw them as far as the east is from the west, I'm thankful for that. And so tonight, what you and I must do is submit ourselves to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and say, God, I want you to make it so that when you reward someday, that I am pleasing to you. Third and final thing tonight, we must believe that God will do what he says. We must believe that God will do what he says. Starting in verse 8 this evening. It says in verse 8 of chapter 23, But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And you are all one brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now I'm going to wade into this tonight. And you can take it for what it's worth. You can disagree with me. You can be wrong. It doesn't bother me at all. He starts talking here about religious titles. What we call people. And as I was sitting next to that preacher who didn't want to be called reverend. This is the verse that he referenced. He said, I want to be very careful what people call me. As a minister of the gospel. And we begin to have this discussion. And I've tried to do some studying. Praying about it. Because the first thing that comes to your mind. Is immediately probably. Why do they call Catholic priest father? Maybe you call your father father. But if you say that is totally wrong. Then we should not call our school teachers. Teachers. And so what is he talking about here. In its appropriate context. He is talking about elevating religious people with titles. And so it is not wrong to call a school teacher a teacher. But it is definitely wrong to call a spiritual leader father. Is it wrong to call your earthly father father? I do not believe so. Because the context that he's talking about here is people who are elevated on a religious setting. That would be like me coming in next Sunday and be like, I would love for you to call me father. 
you should say, I don't know what you're smoking, but it ain't happening. You'd say, well, I would like for you to call me the greatest teacher that you've ever heard. You should respond in kind. Why? Because it is meant to boast and to brag about the ability of the person that is serving God. And what Jesus says is don't get caught up into that nonsense. Don't get caught up into titles and all these things. I've heard some of the best preachers that I've ever heard who never even graduated high school. And I've had heard some of the worst preachers that I've ever heard that had more uh, titles and initials in front of their name. MP3, DVD, doctor this, doctor that. And they had no idea who God is. And it's under the same mindset. Be very careful how you elevate people. Be very careful how you lift people up. Because what Jesus is trying to get home in this point is in verse 11. But who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. You say, Jake, what does this have to do with believing that God will do what he says? All of us, no matter who you are, or no matter how much you say that you do not, would rather be praised than tore down. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I hope everyone in town spreads a rumor about how bad I am. I just hope everybody at church believes the whispers about my faults. No, all of us would rather be praised than destroyed. But what we have to recognize is this. Jesus never wants us to toot our own horn. We should never be glory seekers We should never go around looking for the praise and exaltation of people. Because if we do, God will humble you and I. You say, Jake, why is it that pastors fall, church leaders fall, politicians fall? It is because they try to elevate themselves. They try to put themselves on a pedestal that God never intended for them to be on. But don't miss the blessing in this. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Friends, the Bible tells us to do some very simple things. Love the poor. Care for the sick. Be there for the shut-ins. Love the widow and the orphan. Church can get all about, all about how great the music is and what kind of light show they can have and all the programs that they can have and the facilities that they can have. And it can become this massive, fantastic production that everybody wants to go to and everybody wants to be a part of. But you know what that means to me? Zilch. I want to know if you're willing to go visit someone at the nursing home who has no family. I want to know if you're willing to pass out food to the food pantry families who can't supply food for their children. I want to know if you'll go build a wheelchair ramp for someone who is just trying to stay out of the nursing home for the people that they love. I want to know if you're willing to go build the sick, care for the orphan, be there for the widow who's lost her husband. Those are the things that God honors. Those are the things that God elevates. The world doesn't care about it. The the vast majority of churches don't care about it. But that is what God honors. That's right, I appreciate that, amen. That's why I always get lectures when I talk to pastors. Jake, at some point your church is going to get so big that you can't go visit the sick. 
Someone else has got to go do it. Then you can find someone else. Because why? The Bible tells us to care for those who are hurting. To sit beside those that are broken. To sit beside those who have lost loved ones. To be there with the, the orphan and the widows. And I always get a kick out of it. There's a, <laughs> there's a, a little kid here at church. And uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's not old enough to know me really well. He really, really loves me. Thinks the world of me. And I always think every time he hugs me, you're going to grow out of this. You're going to know me and you're going to grow out of this. And it doesn't matter if it's in the lobby, if it's in here. Every Sunday morning, I'm going to get like seven hugs. Every Sunday morning. And uh, I let, my own kids aren't that happy to see me, all right? And, uh, and someone was trying to talk to me in the lobby today. And I was busy. Uh, uh, I was bent over just trying to make sure my pants didn't rip. And, uh, and I was down here like this talking to him. And I could tell, tell someone was really patient to talk to me. And they really wanted to talk to me. And they really wanted to talk to me. And, and the more it bothered them, the longer I stayed and talked to this little kid. Uh, that's not very godly, but it's true. Um, but it was because that kid matters just as much as that person who gives all the money. Okay, you don't have to agree with me. I'm right. You're wrong. And friends, we have got to get back to that as a church. Doesn't matter how big we get. Doesn't matter how fancy we get. Doesn't matter how much property we get. Doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank. There are things that God will honor if we will do them. Working that funeral meal. I, I know I say this all the time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. Uh, I am so thankful uh, for you who work on the funeral meal committee, who take out the trash, who make drinks, who, who give up your time just to prepare food. And most of the time, most of the family doesn't even say thank you. Many times, some of them do. Sometimes, they don't even recognize it. But what you are doing is something so simple but yet making an everlasting difference that God will honor. 1 Peter chapter 2 says it like this as we close. Therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. If you want to know how to shut up a stupid person, live for Jesus. If you want to know how to put to silence someone who hates God and the things of God, do good to those who hate you. Because in verse 16 it says, As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honoring all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. You see, you have been set free, but that freedom is not a license to sin. And tonight I want to say that because what we are seeing in our churches today is the freedom is being used as a license to sin. Well, God's word says that, but I have the freedom in Christ. God's word says that, but I have been set free. Yes, but you should never use your freedom to cover your sin that you want to get away with. And I think it's interesting that it's right here in the middle of this. It's right here in the middle of this about don't dealing with foolish people. Because most of us look at foolish people that hate God and hate the church and hate the things that we're trying to do and say, you know what? I'm not worried about loving them. 
They hate God anyway. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to hate them. You say, well, Jake, they don't agree with us. They mock us. They make fun of us. Um, they just they hate the things of God. It doesn't matter to me what happens to them. I'm not going to witness to them. I'm not going to pray to them. I'm not going to do good to them. But friends, what we're doing is using our freedom to cover up our sin. Because as we look this morning, we are to love our enemies. And so tonight I want to close with this simple reminder. Evaluate what you believe and how you live. Evaluate why do you do what you do. And third and finally, you have to believe that God will do what he says. It might be easy to brag about what you've done. It might be easy to want to seek the praises of people. But you just stay humble as a church. You just stay focused on doing the thing that God has said is important to him. And watch how he can work. It never ceases to amaze me how God works, how God moves, how God saves, how God sends people, how God does things that I just step back and think, I don't understand it, God, but I'm thankful that you're doing it. And tonight, I want that to continue. I want that to continue in my life and in your life and in this church. But it will only happen when we get alone with God and let him really evaluate who we are tonight. Tonight, maybe you're saying that I'm not saved, Jake. I've never been born again. Tonight, you can get alone with God, find forgiveness and hope through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Jake, I've been a hypocrite. I know I've been a hypocrite. I've been guilty of preaching one thing and living another. Tonight, you can come and get right with the Lord. Maybe tonight you're just here and you're saying, Jake, I'm just so worried about other people and other things that are going on in people's lives. Then tonight, you can come, pray for them. But whatever it is, we invite you to come and do business with God. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just pray that tonight that you would help to evaluate us. Lord, that we are not being the Pharisees and Sadducees of your day. Father, to help us to turn our eyes to you, to focus on you, to love you, to follow you, to serve you. God, help us to want to honor you in everything that we say or do. Lord, I pray tonight that you would forgive me of any stuttering and stammering. And Lord, anything that I've said or done tonight that was, was my will, not yours. Father, I pray that tonight you would humble us. Use us, God. Work in us for your glory. And God will give you all the praise and the honor. And in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.